private entrance, so I thought I'd try it. It's a joy to be at church tonight. I love the Lord. Thank Him for His goodness and His mercy. And uh, privilege to proclaim His Word one more time. And if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, we'll get started here. Chapter 17 and verse 15, 1 Samuel. And uh, I like the story of David and Goliath. And uh, I don't feel right calling it a story, because uh, I know it was a true event. And, uh, but uh, it's one of the greatest and most well-known stories in the Word of God. If you ask the primary Sunday school class, you say, who was David? And you immediately will get the answer, he killed Goliath. And immediately these young children know David and Goliath. You ask uh, most anybody, they've heard the name David, they've heard the name of Goliath. And, uh, but let's look there in verse 15 of chapter 17. We'll begin reading. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an epa of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper, and took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the battle and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his brother, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, Why have I now done? What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to meet with us. Dear Lord, we love you. Thank you, God, for a wonderful night. Thank you for the privilege we have to be at the house of God tonight. The freedom we celebrate. I pray that you would go before us now as we look into your word. May you open hearts. And God, may all of us leave. Loving you a little bit more tonight. God, I thank you for all your blessings. Touch us, we pray. Amen. And uh, again, this story is very common. I'm going to ask that you not allow the familiarity of the story to, for you to close your mind off yet. 
And uh, there's an interesting participant in this story that I think gets overlooked many times. As a way of introduction, let's look at a few of the participants. We see first a persistent person. And uh, I want you to look there. David, being the youngest, he stayed at home while the three older brothers followed Saul to battle. Verse 15 tells us that David returned from Saul to keep his father's sheep. And um, he stayed persistent at what he was called to do. His job was to take care of those sheep. You find when he gets to the battle, his eldest brother Eliab is, is uh, critical in a way, and he says, who did you leave your few sheep with? Underestimating, undermining that that David did. But the key I want you to understand is that David was persistent in what he was called to do. He wasn't upset because of his brother's privilege to get to go and fight in the battle, or uh, he wasn't bothered, or you don't find him complaining, well, I'm old enough to go and do this. He just stayed about his father's business. So we see David there as a persistent person. We see a presented Philistine. And, of course, we know who we're talking about here, this being the giant Goliath. And uh, I want you to look in verse 8, if you will, please, of chapter 17. It says, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? <coughs> Excuse me. Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day, that we may fight together. You find here in the story, this happened right there while Goliath is standing up and presenting himself two times a day for 40 days. Eighty times this was endured and encountered. And, and these, Goliath would come and present himself before God's people and uh, defying the name of God. Then, not only do we see a persistent person, a presented Philistine, but there's a compassionate parent. We don't want to miss Jesse, who cared enough about his um, sons that went off to battle to send the youngest to take him some food. He cared about his boys. Then we see a powerful army. And uh, we're talking about the army of Saul. No doubt they were a powerful army. They were fighting. The battle was in array as David came up and and so we have a powerful army, but yet at the same time they were fearful of Goliath. And when you read all about Goliath at the beginning here and you understand the, the size of this man, um, you realize very quickly you and I would be afraid. And uh, so you have this powerful army that's somewhat fearful at the same time. But then I want you to notice we have the Lord's battle. It's the Lord's battle. If you look there at verse 45 of chapter 17. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. David kind of walked up and just laid it out like it was. He didn't struggle to walk in with boldness and with faith to look at Goliath and say, the Lord will deliver you into our hands. He didn't struggle to walk up and let the, Goliath know that the battle wasn't the Philistines and the battles was not the children of Israel. The battle was the Lord's. 
And so he came to Goliath and boldly proclaimed Jesus Christ. And yes, David had it right. He knew the battle was the Lord's. But David, I want you to notice, was a young man of responsibility. And he handled those very well. So not only do we have him coming in the power of the Lord, and in the name of the Lord, and understanding that the battle was the Lord's, we have him coming with the approach that he's taking care of some practical business before he got on the battlefield. You look at verse 20, David left his sheep with a keeper. He had to be sure they were careful. So you know, that may not have been as important in the moment that his dad gave him the instructions to take this food to his brother. But at the time that his oldest brother Eliab was critical of him, said, who have you left your few sheep with? At that moment, it was crucial and critical that the sheep had been cared for because there came another ounce of boldness and courage that David knew he had taken care of his responsibilities. You look at verse 22, and here's where I want to dwell tonight. The character that God has birthed in my heart weeks and and perhaps even months ago is there was a carriage keeper. The carriage keeper in verse number 22. See, David came. We understand that David is a man of responsibility because he took care of getting his sheep cared for. But I want you to notice that David was able to fight because somebody was taking care of the carriage for him. I would like to think that myself I could be a David. I would like to think that one day I could be a giant slayer. I'd like to stand up one day and proclaim the name of the Lord. Proclaim the power that comes with the name of the Lord. I'd like to step out when others are fearful and afraid. And I'd like to be known as one that stood for right and stood for truth, as David did. And if I had to guess, I would imagine that in a crowd here tonight, there's some others that would like to be thought of a giant slayer. There's some others that would like to be known as one who would stand up for truth and right in moments of adversity and and fear. But I think a principle we learn from this story is that unfortunately we're not all able to be David's. David was one person and he's named. God was very specific um, to the cause. God picked David to defeat Goliath. It wasn't a haphazard encounter just because Jesse just so happened to send David with the food for his brothers. It was a very divine appointment. And there's no doubt that David was named and specific to this cause. And so we we want to be the, the slayers. We want to be those that stand up and proclaim. But we understand the principle tonight. There's only going to be a few that are named Davids. But I believe this tonight and what we learn from this story, we can all be a carriage keeper. I believe we all are capable of being a carriage keeper. See, there's some things tonight, and that's what we want to send them to the message. Some things I'd like to note about this individual. But before we get there, I want to, uh, in the introduction here, when I think of David, I think of our giant slayer, I think of our pastor. And I promise you tonight, this message was in my heart. It's, uh, um, wasn't paid to preach it. Amen? And, uh, But I believe this, when I think of a David, I think of this man here as a giant slayer. I think of David, I think of a pastor. Think about our our man of God preparing week after week. You think about David who for weeks on end had prepared in a field, taking care of sheep. 
who in the midst of moving to a new responsibility took care of a current responsibility. You think about our pastor seeking the face of God. He takes on giants that you and I know nothing about. And I don't know if you ever fully will understand them until you you're a pastor. I don't, but I understand the fact that there's giants he faces on a weekly basis that you and I will know, ever know nothing about. It's a burden he carries in his heart. Personal giants. Ministry giants. And understanding as our church goes forward, there will be more giants. There will be more battles faced. And um, I stand amazed when you're ready to move forward with God. There's always some more devils that come when you're moving to a new level. Our pastor is at the forefront of all of this. And much like David was as he approached Goliath. So well, how in the world do you get the fact that David and our pastor would, would we're going to rep- use the two tonight to, to, for the message? I want you to notice Jesse. Jesse in the story is the father. David is um, in this story. He's Jesse's son. But not only is he that, he's a shepherd. He is a shepherd under the Father. So in a, in a lot of ways, David we have is an under-shepherd under the Father, which is Jesse. The Father has given Jesse the food that his brothers... So you have Jesse the Father, the under-shepherd, which so often is called our pastor. So Jesse the Father has given the under-shepherd the food that the brothers need on the battlefield. And so tonight, we have David representing a man of God. Standing before the battle and on the battlefield with the food that the brother I want to preach on valet parking. Valet parking. See, uh, most likely you and I will not be David's. But I truly believe this, we can be something just as great. Be something just as great. We can assist David as he defeats Goliath. So I'm preaching on valet parking. I started to title it, Keep Your Carriage. And I want to be... Uh, uh, let, me, let me... Hold on just a second. But valet parking, I like it. <coughs> I've only got to experience it a couple, maybe once. <coughs> One day we had to take Dad to the hospital. And uh, Mom, you'll appreciate this. And uh, Dad had... Um, uh, my brother had been away in the car for some purpose, and so mom called and said, Dad needs to go. Um, I think that's when we found out about the brain tumor, and Dad needs to go and have a, a brain scan done. I said, well, I'll be there. I'll use my lunch break. I'll get home, and we'll get Dad where he needs to be. So I get there. Then my brother pulls in, and I said, well, I didn't come for a reason. I'm driving Dad to the hospital. So uh, me and Dad get in, get in the truck, and we head, and, and Mom and Michael get in the car. And I thought Michael would drive, but he didn't. Mama didn't. And uh, so we get to the hospital, and uh, we pull in. Well, now there at Catawba, they have the valet park right there at the cancer center. So you can pull in right there, and they've got the... They'll tag it, and you're good to go. So me and Dad got out, and they had him a wheelchair that day. So we went in, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And I just know that my mom and my brother will be there any minute. Well, I'm waiting, and waiting, and waiting. I look out the glass, and I see their car go... Flying by. And uh, apparently mom missed the turn for valet parking or didn't understand what valet parking was. 
But, but you know, when I left that day, I, all I had to do was walk out and hand a man my tag and, and wait there a few seconds, a few minutes, I should say. And here came my truck. I was able to get in it and go. So when Mom arrived, I had to wait to find, for her to find her way into the hospital. And then eventually we sent somebody after them to find them on the back side to lead them the right way. Then when, when they left, the convenience of having to go just walk out front was not there. So valet parking removes that concern of finding a, a uh, parking place. It removes the discomfort of having to walk, walk a long distance. Later, Mom went back and used valet parking. She said, that was nice. And she probably appreciated it a little bit more than I did because I got it the first time and didn't have to walk a mile. And, uh, but it removes that discomfort. It removes the, the trouble and the concern of having to worry about where am I going to park at, having to worry about how far it is to the door. All of that's taken care of in valet parking. The carriage keeper did just that for David. See, David, again, was a man who took care of his responsibilities. He was a young man that cared about his jobs. Again, he left his sheep in the hands of a keeper before he left. And so when David got to the battlefield, he was able immediately to move his focus to the battle because he was able to know that his carriage was taken care of. Because judging from David's character, he would not have just jumped out of his carriage and left it. He wanted to know it was cared for. And I believe tonight, you and I can be that for our pastor. I believe you and I can be that for our pastor. So I want to look at some attributes of this carriage keeper. But before we go any further, I want to make something very clear. This is my heart. Nobody's in mind. It's not specific. I want you to understand that. I'm just preaching what God put in my heart. And this came from my daily Bible reading one morning. And, uh, and so it's just very strictly the Word of God. I want to look at some attributes about this carriage keeper. Things that you and I can apply to our lives to be helped to our David, if you will. Number one. What I notice about the carriage keeper, I notice he was there and ready. He was there and ready. So you have in about 14 words the fact that David was leaving the carriage. If you look there in verse 22, you find it says, And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage. We're pulling up to the scene in the verse previous, in the, first, the last couple of verses. We're rolling up to the battle scene. But when we arrive... You've got about 14 words of notice for the carriage keeper. And for you and I to understand that the carriage is being placed in the hands of somebody else. David was on a mission. David had direct orders from his father. He was on a mission. So David didn't have time to pull up and go, hmm, I wonder who will keep my carriage for me. I wonder who's going to hold the horses here. I wonder who's going to take care of them while I walk. He didn't, he didn't have time. There was a battle that was in a way. It wasn't a battle about to start. The battle was already raging. So the time that it would have taken David to pull in, find a carriage keeper, wasn't available. The carriage keeper had to be there and ready because David needed somebody that was there and ready. So I want to encourage us here tonight, let's be in our place, ready to serve. Didn't tell you to look, not I didn't didn't say to be looking for a place to serve. I said to be in a place and ready to serve. So there's a big difference. So when the preacher comes by and says, Dear so and so, or brother so and so, or miss so and so, could you 
could you take care of this? How would you feel about... I've been praying about this, and, and I believe it may just be where God's leading us, and, and, and I think it'd be a good fit for you. What would you think about? And you fill in the blank, and if you've ever been approached, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Not having any preconceived ideas about where you want to serve or what you want to do, but just being ready to serve and willing. God comes by, and some of us here tonight are probably David's, and 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 if you're approached and you come and, and you're meant to be a giant slayer, praise the Lord. Praise God. You're a giant slayer. But if he comes by and somebody walks by and says, Hey, I'm a giant slayer. Can you keep my carriage? We ought to be all right with it. See, David was the giant slayer. It would have been a real problem if the, if the carriage keeper had said, You give me that sling and that stone, I'll take care of it, and you just hold the horses. That wouldn't have worked, because that wasn't the divine order that God had established. The carriage keeper was there and ready. You know, when the preacher comes by and says, will you please pray about taking this class? Or will you, will you consider doing this or that? I tell you, if we want to be workers in valet parking, the answer is not, well, well, preacher, I was kind of, sort of hoping maybe you would think about moving so-and-so and putting me here. That's not valet parking. Valet parking says, yes, sir, preacher, let me have the carriage. I'll take it. Valley Parkin says, you fight the battle, don't worry about it. I'll take care of the horses. I'll take care of the carriage. Valley Parkin doesn't create another battle for the man of God. You don't, you read 14 words. David went from in the carriage to the carriage being kept on the battlefield. There wasn't a battle in between. It was straightforward. Because David had a calling to be somewhere. David didn't debate with his carriage keeper how it ought to be cared for. He had a job to do. So I want to encourage you tonight, be in your place. Be in your place. Be in your place so God comes by and says, you're my David. Praise the Lord, you can be the David. But be in your place so that if the carriage comes by and we need a keeper and the preacher needs somebody to keep this carriage, whatever it may be, that you're ready. You know, don't make it a constant concern for the man of God as to whether or not you're going to show up and whether a job will be done. I don't think that David could have battled properly had he been concerned about his carriage being taken care of. And I believe truly tonight, in this year, as we move forward in 2015, we as God's people ought to be there for God and for God's man. Because there's a battle raging. So one, he was there and ready. Don't know about you, but I want to be there and I want to be ready. See, the fact of the matter is, if we have a problem with a man of God, it's really not a problem with a man of God, it's a problem with God. And the chances are, if you have a problem with a man of God, then you probably have a problem with the house of God, the word of God, and you probably have a problem with the work of God. The common denominator is God. If you've not 
caught on to that. So God, the problem really comes down to where your heart is with God. And so if we're to be there and ready to serve God, then that means we're there and ready when our pastor, the man of God, needs his carriage kept. Number two, he was never named. He was never named. Serving is nice and it's easy when we get recognized. Serving really is. It's nice and it's easy. You get recognition and maybe somebody claps for you. We can be encouraged to continue to serve when we're acclimated to do so. I wonder though if we put ourselves in the carriage keeper's shoes. I wonder if it would have been something like this. I know that that, that David defeated Goliath. And this story is all about David. And, and I understand that in Sunday school we're talking about David and Goliath. But don't miss verse 22. Don't miss the carriage keeper. That was me. I wonder if it would have been something like, I wonder why they didn't put my name in there. I wonder why I didn't get named. I did my part. David was able to go and fight the battle because I was back here. But why wasn't my name there? The carriage keeper probably wouldn't have done a fine job keeping the carriage to you being concerned about his name. You don't find the carriage keeper complaining that his name wasn't mentioned. Did it bother him? Perhaps, but you and I would never know it. Chances are, if I had to guess, it may have. But you and I never know it. That's the key. See, we're flesh. We're human. So there's going to be things that's going to bother us sometimes. But the key is what we do with it when it bothers us. Do we blow it up bigger than life? And, and do, we, do we cause another battle for the man of God because our feelings got hurt? Or do we just say, you know, there's bigger things than worrying about if my name's put here or there or, or if somebody's told the whole church that I did whatever I did. There's bigger things. See, if you and I want to be workers in valet parking, we must be okay with being no names. Being no names. See, there will be times we do something, it will go unnoticed. There will be times that we do something, it goes unannounced. Nobody notices. Nobody announces it. There'll be times that we do something and it's unappreciated. Nobody walks by and said, oh, thank you so much for, for vacuuming or thank you for, for this this week. Maybe, and, and, and I know everybody's, the, the leadership is grateful for what takes place in operating the church. But you know, sometimes something may get busier. Something may just happen. They don't walk by and say, thank you for taking care of this. And we get offended and upset and bothered. Instead of just okay with being known names. Valley parking. Just just willing to step up to the cause whenever there is a cause. Don't you like what David said? Is there not a cause? See, David didn't get sidetracked with not <clears throat> excuse me, not David, but the carriage keeper was not consumed and worried about his name. He was just there to do his job. We don't know exactly who this individual was that kept the carriage, but God does. God does. See, we look at this story tonight at verse 22 and we see 
in the hands of the keeper of the carriage. And that's all we know. God looks at it and says, yeah, he's right here. I know who that is. God does. God knows exactly who watched that carriage so David was able to fight. See, the keeper was important enough that he made it in the Word of God. Anytime something's mentioned in the Word of God, there's a premium on it. And so just the fact he was mentioned, no name, but just mentioned, means he was a very vital to this battle and to David being able to do what he does. So there's times that things we do goes unnoticed, unannounced, and unappreciated. But there will be times, and please don't miss this, there will be times that you and I do anything and God sees it all. There's times down here that those around us may not notice it. They may not thank us. They may not value it. But there's times that no matter what we do, God sees it all. And you will see a reward one day just by being faithful. Not only was He there and ready, not only was He not named, but I want you to notice, He never complained. He never complained. You ever think about... When you think about the carriage keeper, David walks up and he's on the battlefield and I can hear him telling Goliath, and what if about the time he's about to say, you, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of... About that time, the uh, carriage keeper says, David, are you about done? David, I need a break. Are you going to be much longer? David, the, the horses are acting up a little bit. Are you going to... You, can you hurry it up? You don't find the carriage keeper ever say, excuse me, David, I'm a little bit tired. I need a break. You don't find it. He was there and ready, and he never complained. He never complained. See, there's plenty that you and I can complain about. If we look around, we can find anything to complain about. Colors, what happened? The way something's set up here or decorated there, we can find anything to complain about. But it takes somebody special to just grab the carriage and just hold on. Take somebody special to say, well, I'm much like it that way. It doesn't matter. That's somebody else's carriage. Take somebody special to just be able to stand and say, I'm not going to complain about that. There's bigger things going on. So can I encourage you, <coughs> before we're so quick and so apt to run to the man of God and complain and, and bellyache and, and gripe, not about things that matter in eternity, but the things that are so terrible and the things that in a few weeks won't even be there anymore, can I encourage you before we run and complain and remove his mind from the battle? We just step back and say, God, would you help me? God, would you help me to be the proper carriage keeper? God, would you help me to stop looking at all the things this way and just help me to get my focus back on you? Can I encourage you? Now, if you've got a problem and you've heard the preacher, he wants you to come talk to him. Don't go talking to one another and criticizing. Oh, but before we get there, maybe it's just something we need to work on in our own heart. Maybe it's something we just need to fix so his mind can be on the battle. 
so we're not creating another battle. Not only is he, was he there and ready, not named, and he never complained, I want you to notice he never criticized David. He never criticized David. I think what happens sometimes is we get so comfortable with the things of God and we get comfortable at a certain church. We get comfortable with our man of God. That if we're not very careful and on purpose remind ourselves that He is the man of God, it's very easy to become critical because of the familiarity of it. See, if you remember when you first came, His preaching was the best preaching you've ever heard. The best church you've ever seen. But as the years have passed, it's become the norm. And if you're not very careful, it becomes easy to criticize what you're so familiar with. As you get closer, get to know more about them. But he never criticized David. You never find the carriage keeper saying, David, don't use those stones. Those aren't good stones. You better get some different ones. You never find him saying, David, you better keep that armor on. I know that God's faithful and God will take care of you, but you better put the armor on. You never find him putting a a, a seed of fear into David. You never hear him saying, David, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You never find him saying, David, you're too young. David, I can't believe you're about I can't believe you would stand up to Goliath. You're, You're just a youth. You never find him criticizing the man of God. David, never. He just kept the carriage. So I ask you tonight, do you want to help in valet parking? Would you be interested? Get behind the man of God. Get behind him. Not behind him to poke at him, and not behind him to criticize him behind his back. No, but get behind him to stand behind him. Get behind him to hold his hands up as an Aaron and Hur did while the battle's raging so the battle can be defeated. Don't criticize his preaching. Don't tell him what he ought, what he should and what he shouldn't do. I promise you this, God will take care of God's man. He will. He, the man of God doesn't need you and I when he's getting ready to step up with the sling and the stone to take out the giant to say, that was a terrible message. What are you thinking, preacher? I can't believe you said that. You were preaching to me. You were doing this. What he needs is somebody to hold the horse. Keep the carriage. He can plant the stone in the giant. Keep your carriage. Keep your carriage. Man of God has giants. Allow his mind to be on the battle, on the message. See, he wasn't stirring up trouble. You don't read where the carriage keeper is there saying, but you know, you know what the preacher said? You know, I ever heard the preacher talking and and you know when preacher preached such and such, that probably was something about you. You know that, don't you? No. The marriage keeper wasn't around stirring up trouble. He was doing his due diligence. He was keeping his carriage. There was a battle raging. We didn't need another little battle 
in the, chari- the, the carriage parking. We just needed some ballet parkers. Needed some carriage keepers. Needed somebody that would allow David to approach Goliath with a clean mind. A clear mind. Focused on the battle. And then number five, I want you to notice this. Not only was he there, ready, not named, never complained or criticized, but he wasn't worried about another carriage. The carriage keeper was doing his job of caring for David's carriage. I, I, love, the, the, I love Solid Rock Baptist Church. I love the God of Solid Rock Baptist Church. I love the man of God that God has placed in the church. And I love the ministries here. And I think it's the best place to be. But I also understand this, that as we go forward as a church, there's certain things, and the preachers talked about it, and I'm not stepping into his area, but it is areas of judgment, different areas, people leading ministries, going in different areas to help him. So what is that? That's them keeping their carriage. Let me tell you some carriages we have around. We have the Patch Club, the bus ministry, H, Sunday school class, the cleaning of the church, the music, everything that operates under the whole of the ministry is its own carriage. But you don't find this keeper worried about somebody else's carriage. So I want to encourage you. Don't get your eyes, Sunday school teacher, on another class. Well, I think I'd be better if I could teach this class in this age. Don't get your eyes on another ministry. Another person. Just keep your carriage. I started to title this message, Hold Your Horses. Just keep your carriage. See, there's a lost and a dying world that needs Jesus. There are hurting families all around that need comfort and guidance. And yet you and I are hung up on whether someone spoke to us or looked at us this way. You and I would dare, before the man of God is about to step on the battlefield, would dare go in his office in a fit because so-and-so said something about us. Instead of just keeping our carriage. There's something about the carriage keeper that I didn't mention, but he never opened his mouth. Never. You never find throughout the whole battle the carriage keeper speaking. That may have been the key to him not complaining and not criticizing. And, and you know there's going to be times you and I just may need to keep our mouths shut to keep us from criticizing and from complaining. Because there's a battle raging. And the man of God needs to fight his battle. We need to be focused on our duties so the man of God can fight the giants that are attacking this ministry. So the man of God can be praying so we can go forward in battle. See, perhaps there was times that the carriage keeper, I imagine that the carriage keeper was within sight of the battle. Because as they pulled up, David shouted for the battle. They knew the battle was in a race. So I imagine this carriage was in sight of the battle and the keeper was constantly watching the battle. <coughs> perhaps there was time. That times that he disagreed with what David was doing. Perhaps. There will be times that you and I 
The pastor will mount. He may say something you and I may not agree with. Perhaps. I would think that a man of God with a legacy that he has, you can take confidence, trust, where he's taken us. But nonetheless, us being human and robed in flesh, we'll understand there'll be some things we may disagree with. There may be times you wish something was done a different way. But I'll give you the solution to all of that. Just keep the carriage. Just keep your carriage. Sunday school teacher, keep teaching. Preachers, keep preaching. Singers, keep singing. Cleaners, keep cleaning. Serving, just keep serving. Keep your carriage.